0: Okay. Hello everyone. Welcome to this month's, uh, this month's coffee chat. Uh, this is the month of February, 2018. And we have a few people here. Uh, so we have Crypto Changements, who is currently having some connection issues and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to him uh, later. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully, we have issues with him. Uh, we have XMR Scott, um, who's here also. And we also have Howard. Um, do you want to just introduce yourselves real briefly, just so that everyone gets a feel of who you are, in case they don't know for some reason? Howard, you can go first. Uh, you're muted, though, so unmute yourself. And then You're still
1: muted. All right, I guess I can go while uh, figure things out. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Scott. I've been with Monero Community since roughly January of last year, give or take a month. Um, and primarily, right now, a lot of it's just been, strangely enough, just a lot of uh, talking um, about privacy, Monero, um, like the the giant infographic that I put up in my cube a while back. I've actually um, had a few talks with coworkers about Monero because of that. And um, yeah, so right now, just a lot of talks. And then trying to, uh, when I have free time, help with the translation uh, work team.
0: Which translation are you working on?
1: Um, Well, I so right now, it's the guides. I'm trying to make a more beginner-friendly, like, picture-oriented guide, because in theory, um, not everyone necessarily speaks English, so pictures are kind of more universal uh, in that regard. Um, But I I contributed to the the Japanese translation, so I think it was mostly done. I only contributed, like, 60 lines, so not too much, but... Which, speaking of which, I probably need to see if there's any new lines for the, the update coming up in
0: March. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I know we're all looking forward to the latest uh, release, including all the new languages in there. Um, because I know that there's a lot of work that's gone on the back end of that. So I'm looking forward to it. OK. Howard, your turn. <laughs> Hi. um, Howard,
2: and I've been <clears throat> Uh, Well, I'm primarily an open source developer, and I've been working on a bunch of little things around the Monero code base. Um, I'm the author of LMDB, the database engine that uh, Monero uses to store its blockchain. Uh, One of my ongoing projects right now is adding some enhancements to LMDB so that we can use it as an encrypted data store for the Monero wallet.
0: Awesome, cool, and I I'm going to link for everyone um, that's watching the live stream the talk that you recently gave. Um, do you want to speak a little bit about how you chose what to speak about when you were discussing Monero to these uh, at this technical conference? Um, well, I was trying to give
2: you know a, a general overview of cryptocurrency because a lot of the I mean, a lot of the larger software development community hasn't really been exposed to it yet. Uh, So that was the main thing. And then, uh, you know, I tried to base the talk in terms of Bitcoin, because that would be the thing that people are most likely to be familiar with. And then from there, it was just a compare and contrast between Bitcoin and Monero to show you know, where Bitcoin falls short and where Monero identified their problems and solved them.
0: Yeah, I I watched it. Did you end up watching it, XMR Scott or Scott? Uh,
1: No, I haven't seen it uh, yet, so
0: I'll probably watch it after this. Yeah, Um, I I watched it. I I think it was very well received in the community, uh, at least on Reddit. People seem to really like it. I'm glad that they were able to have a recording so that people can see it later. Uh, and I don't know, I, I just really enjoyed watching it. So I appreciate you taking your time to go speak about it at those conferences. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely well-received
2: in the conference. It was you know one of the most uh, heavily attended talks uh, of the entire weekend. So yeah, I was pretty pleased with that.
0: Awesome. OK. Um. Let's see. Uh, does anyone have anything interesting that they... Just want to talk about, I guess. <laughs> Normally, we have uh, Ray Ray right here he to keep us on track or find something that he's really passionate about. At the, the last community meeting, he discussed, uh, which this meeting was between these past two, these two talks, he discussed wanting to work on a like an open source push within the community so that. People to kind of reinforce what open source is really about. He discussed how he would like to take the Monero community work group and have one of their initiatives be reach out to other open source projects like Riot, like uh, other, really any other cryptocurrency projects that or any other project that is open source and can really use the help and just spend some time to contribute towards it. Um, so that's kind of what Rar said. Uh, that's kind of his personal push within the community, from what I can tell, um, among others, of course, because he's a very busy person. Um, and that's just something I found that was really cool, is that uh, we're hope, that the intent is to make sure that people in the Manehour community are giving back to open source and just kind of familiar that we're just one player, just one project in the overall wider game. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and then Crypto Changements says that they have their internet connection up. So if you can unmute yourself, Crypto Changements. Um, okay, perfect. Can we, does this work now? Can you try just talking? <laughs> uh, we can't quite hear you. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, can you check your recording settings? What about now? Yes, we can hear you now.
3: All right, nice. Sorry, I kind of missed a little bit. Um, what's going on?
0: No, uh, I was just finishing up talking about how Rayrar was working on open source, kind of like how we discussed during the last community meeting, He's trying to get people oh, yeah, to yeah. work on that. But it would be nice if you could just tell us a bit, a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with Monero right now.
3: All right. Yeah. So um, I go online by crypto challenge months for Monero. And uh, I'm mostly known uh, in the community for uh, working on the Monero integrations project, which is basically uh, open source uh, web plugins for um, stuff like uh, WooCommerce, uh, Magento, all that. It's similar to Globy, but like not quite, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and yeah, we just recently... Um, had a big update um, that should hopefully allow um, people to start actually using Monero um, as currency a lot easier now. So I also do um, some
0: translations too, but that's a little less. Yeah, can can you speak a little bit about how you kind of came to join the uh, Monero integrations project? Because I know that... I think a little, or at least around a year ago, uh, Hack showed up. Uh, it's a community member who started working on some of these integrations, and you seem to join along. So can you talk about how you got involved and what kind of motivated you get to get more involved?
3: Um, yeah, so um, back at like kind of near the beginning of last year, I, 2017, I started getting more um, interested. I found on started getting interested in it. Um, And I wanted to get involved. Um, Like I said, I do translations sometimes. So really what first got me involved in Monero when I wanted to kind of get more involved. um, Well, first of all, um, I saw that it's a um, grassroots community, which is like a lot different from a lot of other more centralized projects. But I'm like, okay, um, I looked at the big C++ uh, code base. I'm like, whoa, this is um, really complicated, you know? Um, so I just messaged uh Rayrar, um, and he kind of got me set up with uh some of the Co- covry um translations for the site, which actually needs to be updated now. Uh, so I gotta look at that. Um, yeah, and then when I saw um later on with Sir, Ac- Sir Hack, um, he kind of started, or I saw on Reddit he posted that he wanted to um testers so i started out just kind of testing like okay here's something i could help out with you know um and then as we found bugs okay i started like debugging and got more involved more involved um and then eventually uh as my kind of i started realizing like okay uh, these features would be nice and i talked to them, and i'll just kind of like started um making pull requests and stuff like that um and then yeah (laughs) we started um now we've been working together on
0: the, that project for quite a while, and yeah. Okay, uh, for those who are unaware, can you talk about? Um, so, uh, can you talk about what plugins and the, that that uh, Manero integration provides, and what you've kind of been in the process of working on?
3: Um, yeah. So, um, for I don't know people that don't know, I guess. Um, There are all kinds of, like, uh, content management systems that people um, who run eShops use. A lot of the most popular ones, like I mentioned, are, like, uh, WooCommerce and WordPress, um, Magento. What is it? We're working on one for OpenCart. So this way... um, Now, there's all kinds of, like, plugins and stuff for these. Like, you can download a plugin for PayPal, Stripe, all those um, major processors, Right. Um, so what we aim to do is basically set up like all you have to do is download this link or download this plugin right and then put in uh, like your address and your view key uh, to verify that uh, translate or transactions come through and then uh, from there it's the merchant doesn't really have to do anything else, um, people will be able to see that you want to get, um, that you can pay for with Monero on that site. And then it'll show for people they could, um, once they pay with it, it acts just like any other um, payment processor, right? So um, then once the payment has been received uh, and you can see it on the blockchain, then the merchant gets the message that everything has gone through, they can ship their um, product or whatever it is. And then that's that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thanks for your explanation. Um, I know that some people have maybe they've at least heard of globi before because there's been a lot of the press around uh, Yeah, uh, yeah. and others. Um, but it's also important to know that they don't have to go with this company if they want to accept yeah, the, use these open source plugins. Um, yeah, the... Um,
3: kind of the goal is like um, that there's no middleman. Um, with Globy, like, they set everything up nice for you, and that's great for people that just kind of that don't just want to be able to download this, and that's that. And we kind of aim to do that too um, to an extent, but you still kind of have to know a little bit about, like, Monero with, like, what your view key is and all that. Um, and with Globy, they're obviously their best, greatest um kind of number one thing that we can't do is um, they're an actual payment processor. Like they will convert your Monero, like a BitPay, uh, straight to USD or euros or whatever. Um, whereas us, it's, there's no man. It goes straight to your wallet. Um, that's that. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, I think what um, kind of inspired SirHack was like at when this, Project first started like Glo- Globe wasn't even really a thing, right? It was still Paybee in their private beta. So you had this um, Monero, which was like usable, and you could use it peer to or peer to peer. But it was still like you have this currency, but like it's not really being used as currency that much. Um, but now with between um, Globe and Monero integrations, uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more um, people actually using it.
0: Thanks. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, do you have anything else you want to speak up about Monero integrations, or would you you like me to move on to another topic?
3: No, I think we're good now. You could probably. Okay. Anyone else have
0: any questions? Like, these are just ones I had uh, mostly, like, I just wanted to learn about your motivations behind the project because you just kind of showed up and started going and that's, that's great. And I just wanted to learn more about that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, so we don't have Serang here uh, today, um, unlike last um, last month, but uh, they recently published, uh, or at least the Stanford research team recently published on their website, uh, a new version of the Bulletproofs research paper. And so this is really interesting um, just because it includes new ways for there to be faster verification times. So that's something to really look out for is something that, that, you know, the gift that keeps on giving uh, bulletproofs, i guess right <laughs> so that's that's awesome um, i suppose another news uh, let's see let's, let's sort of here by by the largest in the past month what what's, what's been going on um not Moving closer to release, I'd uh, make sure to read the dev logs. Uh, you don't need to be too technical to just want to look at the dev logs and see what is generally going on in development. Um, but yeah, uh, the, oh, <laughs> I guess one big thing since we talked about uh, we finally have an open source iOS wallet. Um, I don't know if anyone that's, that's really taken a deep dive into the code yet. But it's nice that we actually have uh, a Monero dedicated uh, you know, iOS wallet for people to use. So there's both Cake Wallet and X Wallet. Cake Wallet has all their code open source now. Um, they've been very communicative about the updates. It's pretty easy to use. X Wallets, um, I believe they still need to update their latest set of source code. So, like what's on the source code page doesn't meet what they're actually running in there application versions. And I believe they're also reworking their actual payment sending system, or at least they, uh, they said that they would, because um, because there was a large criticism about how it sent funds, there were large privacy leaks, so I'm glad that they've at least come around to changing how they send transactions so that they're not compromising the entire network. <laughs> Does anyone else have any comments about how this whole thing went down, any other perspectives? Related to X Wallet, since we've kind of had this chaos go down in the past month, is kind of a good way to
2: say it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to comment directly on that, but um, just the notion of you know apps for iOS in general. And as you pointed out, you know the X Wallet source code that's been published doesn't match the binaries that they're currently providing on the App Store. Uh, one of the big issues going forward is there? there's actually no way to verify ever that the source code you see matches a binary that you got out of the app store. And um, you know, so personally, I myself, I'm not a fan of Apple or any of their products, uh, but I see this, this is one of the key weaknesses in that whole Apple software ecosystem where you can, you, you never have any way to trust that the code you're running is what it claims to be.
0: So if someone had a, or at least in someone's model, they did not want to trust that the developer was, or they didn't want to have the risk of the developer having different binaries on the app store compared to GitHub or GitLab or wherever it might be stored. is there some way for them to kind of have Apple Developer status and then sideload an app? I know there's some discussion on Reddit about that.
2: Yeah, that's you know that's one possibility, but um, getting Developer status isn't exactly something that just anybody can do. You know, it's it's a tedious process, and you know, unless you're actually competent enough to install the developer tools and uh, and actually run them, which is also not trivial, then. You know that's really not an avenue a lot of people can pursue. Okay, so it's it's
0: it's like one of those options that no one will realistically use if they're going to use a wallet.
2: <laughs> a very tiny minority might do it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, definitely in criticism of their entire ecosystem. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know with Monero it's not that's an Android wallet. It is on the Google Play Store, but it is not yet on. Uh, F-droid. So, is that is that a current issue with Monoruno on the Google Play Store? Is there a way to verify that the binaries are the same on the Google Play Store, or is that only an option for F-droid?
2: I think that's only an option for F-droid. Um, and so again, uh, you know, unless you compile it yourself, you aren't really sure at this point in time.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, I will say. I know you can download APKs. I think either onto like you can look at the a- move the APKs from your phone to your PC, or directly download APKs from the Google Store and decompile them. Like it's super trivial now to just those decompilers online, look at the source code that way. It isn't necessarily going to be accurate because the compiler is probably going to um, optimize a few things and remove comments and so forth. I think, but. Um, I know I've done that for other applications in terms of looking at the source code. But, yeah, so I think I think Android's a little bit better in that regard. I can't speak to Apple and how easy it is to decompile um, the actual binaries that Apple gives you. I feel like Android is a lot more. Or it is easy, I should say.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, APK decompilers are pretty common. Um, and uh, I suppose if you're comfortable reading Java source code you'd be all right because as you mentioned you know all of the variable names will be changed to just you know um, mechanically generated names so you'd be uh, comparing line by line you know a1 to you know this is a long variable name so some of it would be more or less or less straightforward to read but overall you could get a good feel for what's going on yeah'
0: okay. And then so for most people who would have or at least have the concern about the Google Play Store, the best method for these people, I, at least I assume, is just to build from source, get the APK, move it to their phone, and then install, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of a roundabout verification, I assume. Um, and luckily that's not I, – I guess the advantage that Android has over Apple there is that you can do that without having some special status.
2: Yeah, I think that is an advantage, definitely, yeah.
3: Well, with Apple, um, it is possible to, or if you, since I think Xcode 7 or something like that, just like Android, um, if you are competent enough, like Howard said, uh, to actually download the developer tools and everything, um, then you can just sideload it, similar to if you, were to download like all the developer JDK and all that for um, Android, but with the caveat caveat that you have to have a Mac. Um, but yeah, really the only way you can verify is if you compile yourself.
0: Okay. Yeah, we had a good question come in through chat here. Um, they they asked us to discuss uh, where. We're a situation where a, a high percentage of the total Monero mining strength comes from botnets. And, and this is this is something that's, that's kind of been interesting to watch, where if you – I think there's a lot of confusion too, and a lot of people don't know, including probably us. Uh, but if you look at, like, the Monero hash charts, it's like 75% or more is in the unknown category. And uh, if – does anyone have, like, a good answer for this? Uh, uh, I mean, we know that botnets have really grown over the past few months where people are using Monero. Uh, they're, they're taking exploits in computers. They're run instead of spam attacks or uh, just straight-up ransomware, they're just running a miner in the background, and they're using this to profit off a bunch of computers. Uh, it, how? What would really the process be towards – finding a good estimate towards how much mining power is coming from these botnets.
2: I don't think that's a question you can answer. I mean, the the, the, the reason that you, you see all of this mining power marked as unknown is exactly that, right? You can't distinguish a botnet node from a genuine solo miner. Uh, and if these botnets are all Uh, Part of a private pool, okay. I suppose eventually you could stumble onto that pool and and find out what's going on there. And I mean, I've seen some Reddit posts where someone has talked about oh, this and such mining pool is actually you know 100% botnet nodes. Um, But you know, if if, uh, falling short of that, if you can't identify a pool that they're all talking to, you really can't tell that. This is any different from a genuine solo miner.
0: Is is um I know that a, at least the Monero mining has received a lot of um, a lot of attention from a lot of security researchers. Um, when they look at the actual code where they're mining to is it is it typically to a private pool? I know in the past it typically has been to a public pool so is this a change that we're seeing that could be and you know at this point
2: it's uh you know if you go to the trouble to set up a botnet i I think setting up your own private pool is not much more you know and again if if you have that many nodes um you know why would you share it with anybody else in a public pool Mm -hmm. so that that makes more sense as the logical next step but the other the other interesting point about all of this, okay, which I think a lot of people are missing, is the reason that botnets exist is because computer operating systems are insecure and they have been for decades, right? Um, the We really have to view this as a good thing because it's drawing attention to a problem that's been there forever and that everybody has refused to address up till this point. And, um, you know, so to focus on mining botnets and say oh monero is bad because it's uh relying on all these things you know the the real underlying point should be computer systems computer operating systems are bad and need to be fixed okay that and that's really the underlying point point. and it is a good thing in a number of ways as you mentioned before these these are computers that would have been vulnerable anyway and they might be, you know, if they weren't mining Monero, they would be sending out spam or they'd be, you know, um, overrun with uh, ransomware or whatever else. Okay. So, in most aspects, you know, the fact that these botnets are mining Monero is actually the best possible thing they could be doing right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I've been working a little bit with the malware response work group where, we're, try- we're working on getting resources on the actual Monero website for people to uh, have, have some way to, or at least have some education in terms of how they can remove unwanted mining from their computers. And really, at the end of the day, it's like, well, your computer was compromised. Um, your computer did not have, like, you know, back doors that can be used, apparently, then uh, like that's the whole reason your system is vulnerable. Um, and in most of the cases, it's just saying, well, if the best, what you should do is just wipe your computer and update to the latest version. Um, is really the ultimate response you have to give people. Um, and I know it's kind of a hard sell, and I can at least see why they would be upset that someone's using Monero in this way. But I, you're right that it totally isn't. Like it's not like Monero is going out infecting computers. It's these computers are being left open. Uh, they're, they're not being updated, but their, their security is not being updated. And then people are just taking advantage of that. And um, hopefully it will encourage people to update faster. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, I imagine there always will be people that don't update or neglect their systems. So. Yeah,
2: that's that's the other danger is that um, people are so used to, for example, Windows sucking and their computers being slow all the time that they may not even notice that a miner has slowed it down even further. And I I think that's probably the biggest danger now. Um, And it's interesting also that, you know, even if you aren't going to stay up to date with your patches. Uh, one of the easiest things you can do to prevent being taken over by a botnet is just to run your own miner, because then the botnet won't have any CPU left over to use for itself.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes, the official Howard way. You just avoid botnets by running your own CPU miner.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'll work.
0: That—that <laughs> <laughs> That is one way. That is one way, I assume. <laughs> It's like a, an arms race within your computer to who has priority over your CPU. There we go, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, on that regard, I know there was uh, recently was it the, the Mirai um, Mirai botnet? There was like some conflict where one one botnet was basically overwriting another. Um, so yeah, it's very much a case of botnets trying to fight for your system.
0: Yeah, see, if we were running a botnet, what we would do is we would infect these computers and then secure them so that no other computer no other botnet can infect them. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. If you're in it for the long game, you need to make sure that you're improving the security of the computers you're infecting, right? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that would be, be funny. I'm sure that's the next step is <laughs> ironically people improving the security of the computers they infect.
4: <laughs>
0: hey, that would
2: actually be a good, you know, sales pitch, right? The the new Monero anti-malware program. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just use this malware to fix your computer from being vulnerable to malware. <laughs> Next botnet that goes out to remove botnets. (laughs) Right. I I think the ideas happened before. (laughs) Yeah. So I I suppose to come a little bit back to like the bigger question um, about if we have a situation where people are able to control a large number uh, or at least a large amount of mining power, and it's hard to validate who is mining. At what point do you really become concerned that there are large players in the network that have control over a lot of the mining power?
2: I think um, if you know if you are closely watching the network, probably the first time you will start seeing something weird or something to be concerned about is um, if you see. Average size transactions getting stuck in the transaction pool for longer than average times, because that might mean that somebody is preferentially mining specific transactions.
0: Okay, okay. And,
2: and I, I think until you see that sort of thing happening, there's probably nothing, uh, you know, nothing nefarious going on. Hmm.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some ways where hopefully we can get some more information, like to get a better picture. And I know the whole intent is for it to be hard for you to figure that out. Like theoretically, uh, someone could run a botnet. And instead of using a mining pool, have all these computers solo mine. Sure. And then how would you really know how much hash power someone has, and what computer is a botnet and which isn't? And that well, that so becomes even more difficult. Right? Yeah,
2: you, you're not you're not going to know you know even an estimate of how much hash power they have, but um, you know the, the goal of having all this hash power is to be able to control. Uh, to decide who gets mined when, right? So until you see unusual uh, transaction confirmation times, you know, you're not seeing anybody manipulate the network because the only thing that you can do to manipulate the network when you have that much hash power is to alter the order of transaction confirmations,
0: That's yeah. yeah. I I understand how you're. I understand that perspective. It's it's just. I, I suppose that's the only answer is that you only know someone is capable of an attack if they're actively trying to attack. If someone is just passively sitting on a lot of mining power, there's no. You can try to have some indicators, but if they're smart, there should be no way to know.
1: Right. <laughs> and I think it's important to understand like the motivations of people running botnets as well at least if their end goal is mining they're not particularly concerned about being malicious usually at least I would think they're more concerned about expanding their their network and being able to mine more and basically gain more profits they don't really care about maliciously manipulating transactions
0: in theory right yeah, well, one concern I have is if We know that they're, you know, first and foremost, financially motivated. Um, so, if there is some financial gain for them to be able to manipulate some of the transactions, it might be possible to see that. Now, granted, at the same time, they'd be tipping their hand when they do that. So, yeah, exactly. I, it's. Yeah, I mean, they they'd be tipping their
2: hand,
1: right? Yeah, and and as we said earlier, like there's multiple botnets. It's not primarily just one malicious actor out there. It's multiple trying to
0: yeah build their I,
1: own network to sell to
0: people or mine or do whatever. Yeah, I think the the reassuring part is that other people are still normally mining, right? And second is that there are a lot of botnets.
4: <laughs>
3: Decentralized botnets.
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah, thanks. Thanks to the chat uh, for that question. I'm glad we had some conversation about that. Um, I know it wasn't really a resolution, really, but uh, the the network is literally built so that you should not be able to know that info. So it's hard. (laughs) Um, I know. So for what it's worth, and we can all take this with a grain of salt. Fire Ice, who runs the uh, XMR Stack miners, or created the XMR Stack miners, and receives income from people who donate when they run their mining systems. Uh, It's automatic. Ideally, if an attacker was smart, they would easily just change the source code, compile, and have nothing to do with this person. But he claims to have some info related to having, at least, having a greater insider info compared to who's running the are miners but again I I think that's just remote like that's s- super speculative and I don't think I, I don't know if there's any correlation there at all even.
3: it's hard to say the thing is like if you're running a botnet like you it shouldn't take you that much more time to just compile from source with that little piece of code taken out
0: yeah especially if they're making a few extra percent I'd be, I would be surprised if botnets were not changing one line of code before compiling. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Okay, anyone have something to talk about beyond mining? <laughs> uh, Crypto, are you, so you, you speak with Hack a lot. Um, I don't want you to necessarily speak for him, of course, <laughs> but are you yeah. involved at all on the, uh, the 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 uh, mastering Monero project. Um,
3: not really. Um, I've taken a look at it and kind of done a little uh, like revision here and there, um, but nothing really major. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been like talking to him about it, but it seems like it's really just like. He's really like getting along, but um, like, oh, he's gotten a lot out. Of, I think it's all on Tyga, um, and maybe GitHub too. I'm not sure, but um, it's still kind of early, but there's a lot of um, stuff getting written. That's really all I can say. That's the extent that I'm involved. Okay.
0: Thanks. Okay. Um. Let's see. Other cool things that are coming out. Um, If you need a paper wallet, you no longer need to use the uh, terrible quick design I pulled up. Uh, The Monera made some really good paper wallet designs. (laughs) So I'll link those here uh, in the chat. But, um, yeah, they're they're very nice. And I know some people are like, or criticism of paper wallets is like, you don't want them to be flashy because... Uh, You don't want to reveal that you have Monero, you should put it on a very discreet piece of paper. And I think there's kind of two different cases for what type of paper wallet you would use. If you're trying to convince someone to get into Monero and want to give them a little bit of Monero and aren't really concerned about the security, so if you're giving someone $20 equivalent, let's say, I think it's super awesome to have one of these attractive, um, stylish paper wallets to hand out to some people. Get them excited. It's kind of like sets the first impression for people. And if you want to store it a large amount safely, I mean, then don't, you know, write, my keys are here, <laughs> right? that use the encryption tool, put the keys in different places. So I, I think there's definitely like two different use cases there. This is kind of like the Dogecoin approach where you just print days, like thousands of these things and just throw them around to people, hoping they'll get involved. It's like a market. It's more of a marketing material. That's kind of how I see it, and I think it's a really good marketing material for getting people into the project. Um, I especially like the orange. There's two designs there. I like both, but I definitely like the orange one just because it's, it's like super modern and simple. Basically, the Manera makes really great art. <laughs> In case you haven't seen it all. I'm sure everyone that I'm speaking with here is, I'm just preaching to the choir because I'm sure that everyone here has already <laughs> seen most of their stuff. But just wanted to highlight that again because it's nice. Um, has anyone here like given out paper wallets at events before or anything Monero related?
2: Um, a year ago or more than a year ago, I was handing out um, five Monero brass coins Uh, around Christmas time. (laughs) And uh, I I certainly wouldn't be handing those out this Christmas.
0: (laughs) A little too generous for you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This this isn't really Monero related, but uh, for my student cryptocurrency group we had at the University of Minnesota, we had Stellar reach out to us. And they're like, as part of our fair distribution model or whatever they call it we're giving a certain amount of our coins out to nonprofit groups and our group was we've been cold emailed us and they're like would you like to receive coins and so about a year ago they gave each of the members 2500 stellar lumens which at the time was about five dollars now it's over a thousand dollars so it's kind of funny when it's like a similar case like Kind of funny where you give someone money in the past and it's, it's small, but now it's like, oh well, I wish I got that money. That's just how it goes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, literally the day after we gave those out, the price peaked to about like $100 $150 per set of $2,500. And then we received a ton of emails like, oh, do you still have this giveaway? And we're like, nope, you should have gone to the meeting. <laughs> 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 um, in, uh, let's see. We were, we were about 10 minutes left. Um, any, other, any other big changes on GitHub? Uh, do we know when the actual code freeze is coming up? Um, I know it's scheduled for, like, the next few
2: weeks. Yeah, it should be coming up really soon because uh, I think we're targeting the point release, you know, by the very beginning of March. So, yeah, really soon now. Okay.
0: Uh, cool. One, um, during the... Uh, during the latest Monero like uh, skepticism thread, uh, like sometimes these have good content. Sometimes they're they sometimes don't have that great content. But I think last week, one person at least rose uh, raised some really good issues where we don't have very good descriptions on how you can use Monero with certain very strict or very uh, like yes certain very strict threat models like. We've discussed churning in the community, but we haven't really discussed like the impact or how you're really supposed to do it um, beyond what we have in that one GitHub issue. And so, uh, what are people's thoughts regarding like like a coming up with like a best practice user guide? Because I think right now we just don't have that much research to to at least point out why, like, if, if you want to use Monero very very securely what are like the steps you can take? And we have those steps for how they can store a paper wallet or store like an offline cold storage. But do we have it such that, okay, when you're making transactions, you should, I don't know, I mean, run your own node and like, what are the steps? Does anyone have thoughts over, like, uh, does anyone think that that's lacking?
2: Well, yeah, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, the, the churning, you know, there really hasn't been enough research on uh, how to churn effectively, all right? Um Or a lot of people have hypothesized strengths and weaknesses of churning, but nobody has done any simulations or measurements, you know, to quantify exactly what what the impacts are. You know, like I've heard, uh, if you churn multiple multiple times in rapid succession that will be obvious based on timing right so there are things that um you know may be bad may be good but nobody has actually you know put some hard numbers to them right so that's something that needs to happen uh the monero research lab already hands their uh, has their hands full doing other topics so you know this is probably something for for new people to get involved in
0: yeah how would how would you even go about testing those sort of those sort of scenarios? How would you kind of frame the research to suggest certain things are better than others?
2: Uh, probably, you know, you're you're going to have to develop a kind of simulation model. You know, um, when we looked at set fee levels and output selection and all these other parameters that have that have been researched you know we, we looked at uh, transaction spend histories across the entire Bitcoin blockchain as well as um, you know across the old Monero blockchain before uh, ring CT was deployed so across when when you could actually see amounts flying across the network so uh, you know you need some real data from real users, you know, which we obtained by looking at the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and, you know, I, I guess there, there is no substitute for, you know, having good input data to,
0: to model with. Because I think we have the same argument, not even only for just churning, but also just coming to consensus on a certain ring size, uh, because do you, do you agree with that or not?
2: Well, see, the the problem with the whole ring size conversation is, um, you know, it's, you know, even if you set the ring size to 100 or whatever, some large number, you know, what's really more important is uh, how you chose the ring members, uh, um, you know, their distribution across time. And uh, everything
0: that, you know, we model there can easily be, you know, Solve it, right? Right. So that's something that's, that's hard to do, and I think that's yeah, I like that's always going to be an issue. But also, you know,
2: as you say, um, they don't solve it, but it's also not a. Uh, it's not a. It's not a certainty, right? Even with everything that uh, all all the analysis in the MoneroLink paper, just gives you, you know, at the end you're left with a probability that's you know, less than 100%. So you never actually know exactly what's
0: going on. Yeah. You still have the deniability. Um, Yeah. I'm just, so, yeah. The issue with the whole selection, though, is, I mean, there's always a chance of randomness. The whole point of why people are concerned about churning is well, if you have these repeated patterns, the chance of this happening happening randomly with the code that's provided is very, very low compared to all the other outcomes. Um, it's kind of like that. So it's possible, but it's hard. The, right. the goal is to obviously make it so that even behavior outside of a certain narrow box is not unusual um, or is still likely enough to not be unusual. So that's just hard. Okay, so uh, Ray Rar, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Diego. He popped in the last second, uh, right
4: before we oh, yeah. had to go. I, I, thought, <laughs> uh, I thought it was an hour later. And so here I am at the end of this coffee chat, uh, just to make sure that you guys get at least uh, to see me, you know, uh, for all my fans out there. No, it's
0: definitely, an, you're an essential part of the team. And I imagine many people are like, where's Diego? We missed his uh, we missed his talk about insert whatever you're interested in buy tm <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I spoke at the beginning a little bit about the community uh, initiatives that you've had with trying to promote open source software outside of Monero. Right, great
4: so you did, do you want to end us do you want add to end us, us, us
0: on that sort of topic
4: uh sure um so uh it, i I feel. That it's easy to catch the Monero vision if you have already caught the open source vision, uh, which is to, you know, freely give software. It's giving power back to the people. People are in open source for different reasons, you know. But there's, uh, there's, there's a community. There is a culture of giving freely your work, your time for the betterment of other people. And, you know, really, that's kind of what Monero is all about. Uh, we are here to make a new financial uh, system, a new financial way that people can do things and we are giving it freely and, you know, no ICO, none, none of that stuff. We're, we're giving our time, we're volunteering and stuff. So Monero is very much at the heart of that um, open source um, vision. And one of the things I feel that Monero should be doing is building bridges of relationship with other open source projects that really take this pure open source vision to heart and maybe they're not as big as Monero. Maybe they're smaller. Maybe they are bigger. You know, there's other ones out there that really want to see the world improve. And Monero should be partnering with them. At the very least, Monero, Monero community should be supporting them and be, be, because their vision aligns with ours. Even if it's not in the financial realm or uh, the privacy realm, uh, as long as they're trying to flip something on its shoulders by giving power back to the people through software, we should be alongside that. And it builds bridges of relationship between the two projects where if we need something, maybe they can help. If they need something, maybe we can help. And that can be through money. That can be through getting them to accept Monero donations and then donating to them. That can be also through work. So, you know, if you're a German translator and you've already translated everything that needs to be translated for Monero in German so far, Great, well, let's go to these other projects and see maybe they might need some translation. You know, I'm a, I I make websites, well, maybe these guys can use a better updated website. You know, stuff like that where we can help wherever we can uh, to get these projects to further their vision, which, you know, is to give power back to people through software. And, and that's just, that's fantastic. And we should be, we should be alongside that. And it's a great shame that actually other projects, other cryptocurrency projects that do not share this vision um are already hopping on board uh projects like these and supporting them and it's just a real shame that they're doing this before we are and we are not really doing this at all and i, I just find that uh, terribly terribly sad monero owes a great debt to open source projects um, you know as i was speaking with arctic mine it's it's the idea that monero is doing something great but it is doing it on the shoulders of giants and Those giants that came before us are other great open source projects and open source as a whole. And Monero owes a debt to those people. And Monero owes a debt to those projects. Monero owes a debt to open source. And we need to pay it somehow. Uh, It's our responsibility, I think, and it's the right thing to do. So that's kind of where this initiative is coming from. Starting to compile lists, starting to look through different open source projects. So if you have any ideas, you know, if you have any ones that you really, really like and you love their vision, you love their people, uh, shoot me a message. Uh, I'm sure that many of you use different stuff. So that's that's kind of what that's about. Um, sorry to keep everyone past 10 for anyone that is still here. Um, but hey, I, I'm not against this. We could go all night. You know, let's, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah,
0: thanks. I, I think that that's really important. I know during the community meeting, you had overwhelmingly positive feedback. Um, and that's something that at least I and I assume many other people in the Monero community would really like to instill the value of people who are involved with Monero, that it's not just a, a scheme for people to make money. <laughs> it's not just a tool for botnets. It's something for it's a true community led initiative to improve projects projects and if they understand that related to other projects that also exist that that's a large positive win for the entire community and not only just the monero community but hopefully the people with their perceptions on how the projects will change and the projects that we're helping and it's like a massive win across the whole ecosystem and hopefully brings more attention to open source so i think that's that's really powerful and i'm i'm really glad that you brought that up in the community meeting and that's something that we would really like to pursue um, just for the sake of time, does anyone else have anything that they would like to talk about? Crypto changements, uh, Howard, Scott? <laughs> no, I'm pretty nope. good. Yeah, crypto changements, thanks so much for being here to shed light on kind of what you do yeah, with totally. the linear integrations part. That was really, I, I was happy to hear your perspective on that. Thank you. Yeah, totally. And then Howard. Howard, thanks as always. We appreciate your perspective on development and research and everything else. You're obviously a great asset to the community. We appreciate that.
4: HYC, HYC. Hey,
2: thanks for having me on.
0: (laughs) And then uh, Scott, uh, thanks for joining us too. Keep up the work. Uh, Hopefully that we can get it compiled to work on the other operating systems as your project. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having you on. Thanks. Any other final words, Ray? Rock?
4: <laughs> I could go on forever, as you know. Uh, but did, did this last question get answered? Uh, any thoughts on trends in public perception of Monero?
0: No, we haven't talked about that. So okay. if we want to end on that note, sounds like a good way to end.
4: Sure. Uh, so you know, take home uh, the final thoughts: public perception of Monero. Monero is always, maybe not always. Monero will be fighting against the uh, the the kind of criminality coin type thing, and and you just really got to start to explain to people. As an example, this past you no, know, yesterday, I found I live in a teeny tiny city, and I found a cryptocurrency investment meetup that goes on in my city, and there was two other people besides myself, and I went, and. I explained to them, you know, Monero, anonymity, privacy, and fungibility. That's what it does. And they were like, oh, okay. They didn't. And I explained to them that anonymity is just merely a technical thing required to have fungibility. And that's how we got to shape the public perception of Monero. You know, we're trying to have a great currency, maybe even one of the better currencies that exists in the world today. Um, and so when people come in, like, oh, isn't it that criminal coin? Educate, education education and people will learn and maybe they won't like it maybe they might think you know i would rather have a good currency that doesn't have these troubles than a great one that does which is a potentially valid viewpoint um but education not you know not shilling and stuff uh but the public perception of monero it will change over time um as we educate similar to bitcoin and that should be it that's it people go home it's a pleasure having you all here. Sorry, I came so late.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, I was happy to have you on here. That, that's that's um yeah, I, I'd say luckily as the community grows, there's a far greater chance that the perception will increase, that Monero will be less associated with certain nefarious actions. If they're like, hey, I'm involved, I know like I've I've taken a second to learn that these people truly care about open source, about contributing this is a community-led initiative for benefits that have been, you know, hopefully communicated effectively. And since I've now been exposed to this, I'm no longer at least perceiving Monero as a tool built for nefarious users. <laughs> it's a tool built for everyone that unfortunately some nefarious users take advantage of, but really can provide Large advantages for everyone. Education
2: is really the number one. Yeah, I just have to just have to agree and reiterate all of that because you know, I mean, that's that's that was the thrust of my talk at Fosdem, and you know, that's that's the message that really matters is you know, we're we're trying to create a great currency, a great tool, and um, you know, you can't have fungibility without the anonymity
4: that's it can't have fungibility without fun
1: yeah and i think just to add a little bit more i think especially as we see like more and more people uh, adopt all these cool things that people are developing for like point of sale systems we're going to kind of see that fall away because it's going to be more and more the, the broader use cases are going to be for everyday point of sale transactions rather than you know dark net markets
0: We still have to get there. <laughs> I agree with that, though. Is I mean, as as it becomes easier to use, you, I mean, people really wanted in various purposes. Their prime, like the botnet miners or or botnet uh, operators and malicious attackers are going to go through significant effort to infect machines. Um, for instance, they're they're willing to put in that effort. Um, is a normal person willing to put a lot of effort in to make a transaction? It depends, Um, probably not though. So it's important to make it really easy. And so it's like, well, you can either use Bitcoin and have no privacy or you can use Monero, which is ideally just as easy. Boom, works just as simply. Anyway, um, any last thoughts or should we all say, thanks to our viewers for listening to us all. I believe 14 of you right now, 12 down to 12. An hour and 10 minutes is getting late for some people. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. I appreciate that we're able to do this every month. Um, and, yeah, I really appreciate you all taking your time. Right. Bye. Yep.
4: bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Adios. Mm.